If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything from a gambling perspective. The main event Saturday night. Holly Holm going to take on Ketlin Vieira. Should be a very intriguing fight at 135 pounds. That fight will be at UFC Apex right here in Las Vegas, of course. Even though it's non-title, potentially could go all five rounds. Lou Finnecaro is going to join us, Jordan Sherwood, and Reed Kuhn will be here as well. But we begin the show today like we try to do each in every episode of First Strike. The man that sets the numbers right behind us here at Circus Sportsbook is Nick Klikas. Nick, great to have you back in the program. Again, follow Nick at Fight Odds. And let's take a look, Nick. When you look at the numbers that you've set here for Holly Holm uh, against Ketlin Vieira, it feels like Holly Holm has been taking the money. And again, you and I talked on Tuesday, First Strike, First Look. Shout out to that. Great uh, great preview for First Strike today. Has, have you seen the number increase here in the support of Holly Holm through the week? We we have. And we are, again, as I mentioned earlier in the week, we are protecting her side a little bit. So as the market kind of moves up a little bit, we do move on air slightly. So we make that adjustment as needed. Because I do think this is stylistically a tough matchup for Vieira. But right now, where the line is going, it's kind of tough. Because I wouldn't lay Holly Holm at probably minus 240, minus 245, 250. So I think it's actually reached its peak at this point. Minus 250 is what we have right now. And again, we always talk about it. And certainly Styles make fights. You know what Vieira is going to try to do. And that is take this fight down to the ground. And she's 10 years her junior. But we know Holly Holm. Look, she's already in the Boxing Hall of Fame, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to go into the MMA Hall of Fame when her career is done. So she's going to want to try to make this a striking kickboxing type match. Her wrestling has improved, though, Nick, through the years here. Does she fear a Misha Tate-like uh, potential loss, or does she say, you know, I've gotten better since then, so even if the fight goes down to the ground, I'm comfortable. I don't think she wants to spend a tremendous amount of time on the ground, so I, I think defensively she has gotten better. Her takedown defense has always been pretty good, yeah. so she's put that work in for sure, but I think the big advantage on the ground jiu-jitsu-wise belongs to Vieira, and she's going to try to ground her out for sure. So I do think, but Holm is prepared for it. It's going to be very difficult for Vieira to get that fight to the ground time after time. Now, you know what, what betters are going to try to do here, right? They're going to try to find the shorter numbers, pathways to victory. And we try to always educate our viewers here on first strike to get the better of the numbers. So if you don't want to lay Holly Holm minus the 250, potentially Holm by decision feels like a popular, when you look at the, the total rounds at four and a half, mm -hmm. you kind of do that math there. 
that could be the pathway there if you don't want to lay the big price tag in home. Do you expect to see a lot of wagers coming in that way? I do. I think we'll see. That'll be the most popular prop bet for Holly Holm, for sure, is her by decision. Because, again, she's got that shot of a knockout, especially with her kicks. We mentioned that as well. But as far as pure one-punch knockout power, I don't I don't see that happening in this spot here, even though Vieira's defense at times is sketchy. Mm. I mean, I, you know, she does absorb a lot of punishment, takes a lot of hits. But that being said, I think if it's going to be a knockout, it's probably more by head kick. So Vieira should survive it, and the popular prop will be home by decision. And that shortens that price right down there to minus $1.20. You see, conversely there, that you can get 8-1 to Vieira by, by submission. So if she can get Holly home, big if, she can get it down to the ground, potentially that's where that BJJ comes into play. Do you expect to see, for people that want to back the dog at even a bigger price point, that might be the way they go? We will. We definitely will get action on Vieira by submission, especially looking back, like you mentioned, in the Misha Tate fight from years ago, right? I mean, she was dominating that fight home was, Man. and all it took was, you know, at the end of that fight, Misha Tate take her back again, and she ended up getting that submission win. So I think for, for Vieira, looking back at that history, she knows if I get the opportunity to take her back, I could probably finish this fight. So definitely we're going to get action from the betters on submission. There's no doubt. And again, I was at that fight at UFC 196 way back in the day. And again, you're right. Holly Holm dominated three of those five rounds. Second round, she got taken down, mm-hmm. and that was a precarious round. And then the fifth round, and normally you don't see stoppages coming this late. Crazy. So again, that's why you're seeing four and a half right now, juiced heavily uh, to the over, minus 245. Mm-hmm. Do you expect to see any money come in on the under? I do. Again, it's probably at the point where it's going to reach its peak soon. And I do think at that point we will see some buyback because, again, the punishment that each of these ladies take, they're durable, but I think Vera is very hittable here in this spot. And then there are some question marks around home. She hasn't fought for a couple years, right? And she's 40 years old, as we said. So we don't know when that immediate drop off is going to be for her as well. So possibly Vera does have a little bit of power. I would expect that total to get bet under, but probably on fight day a little bit more than anything else. You know, Nick, I always kid you here at Circus Sportsbook that once you guys put props for fight of the night, I mean, we can identify those, right? Because it feels like Santiago Ponzinibbio against uh, Miel for, uh, Michelle uh, Pijera should be a hellacious fight on Saturday night. Uh, pretty evenly matched here and, and priced accordingly here. You're seeing that Ponzinibbio right now, a small dog at plus $1.10, uh, Pajara minus $1.30. Has the number moved so far this week? Yeah, Ponzinibbio, this week it hasn't moved as much. It shifted maybe five, 10 cents on the Pereira side, and it keeps on going that way. Ponzinibbio originally opened the favorite across the market, though, right? So the action has come in. Sharp action has come in on the Pereira side, and it is trending in his direction. The line continues to climb his way. But again, this is a spot where Ponzinibbio will get that respect, especially as that dog number keeps on climbing. We're going to see some buyback, and we will see some sharp betters take a bite on the Ponzinibbio side. But right now, now, it's a little bit more George Pereira. I'm a little surprised. Again, only a three-round fight potentially here. That right now it's juiced at minus dollar eighty-five to over two and a half rounds in a firefight. Mm-hmm. Things get in quicker than people suspect here. So again, right now that feels like the popular play. But I wonder if the under under is going to get bet here. It will get bet. I, I mean, again, I, I understand they're getting respecting the durability on both these guys, but I do think Pereira is such a wild man in Ponzinibbio again. He's not getting any younger, right? We've seen him be in some firefights as of late, and he's taking some damage. So I don't really trust the Ponzinibbio durability at this point. We've seen Pereira be in some firefights, some wild ones as well, and he seems to, to kind of hang in there and take it a little bit better. So I do think we might see a finish as this fight progresses because both these guys, again, Ponzinibbio is more of the sniper. He's got that power. He's got that finishing ability where Pereira is a little bit more of the wild man. So I think something's probably going to give, and we will attract some action on the under. You know, I want to go a little bit deeper down to the card here, and I, I look at another fight, certainly in the women's side, that is intriguing to me. is Pollyanna Vienna against uh, Tabitha Ricci here. And right now, Vienna is a, a plus dog here, at about plus $1.15 
as I'm seeing here, but very closely priced as well. What do you make of this matchup here, and where is the money coming in? It's coming in both ways. Early on, it was Vienna, but we are starting to see some Ricci money show up as well. So now the line's kind of climbing back her way a little bit. So we're going to continue to see two-way action, I think, on this fight. Again, Vienna is a little bit more of the popular fighter. She has the ability to finish this fight by submission, but the, the contradicting side of that is Ricci is, has a pretty good jiu-jitsu game in her own right, and defensively, she should be sound enough to probably stay away out and stay out of trouble in this spot. So that's why it's I think both opinions are kind of very well said as far as backers on both sides of this. You know, we've talked about this before, too. A lot of times with the women's fights, it tends to go over. You don't see as many stoppages as you will see with the men. And again, priced accordingly. Two and a half rounds here, minus $1.60. But again, not not over the top like we're seeing with some of these other fights. Does this one have the potential to be stopped? Yeah, you do see some volatility here. And I think that's why Vienna, again, she's won by submission, right? And, and then at the same time, her defense at times isn't the greatest either. So I think Ricci, if she gets top position, we could see a submission or a finish there as well from maybe some ground and pound if she gets top. So there's a lot of question marks, I think, surrounding this total. That's why you're seeing only minus 160. And a lot of times, if the line looks a little off, mm-hmm. there's something there, right? So I think we could possibly see this end before it hits the cards. Yeah, so a lot of plus value there if it can go a little bit uh, sooner than later. And that one is you see for the sub uh, for Ricci, plus 350 if she could get that stoppage there uh, in that fight. Let's keep on going down because, again, on the prelims, I always kid Chase Hooper. Look, I love the kid. Like, he's just funny, the kid, because I'm old. He's young. So, you know, I look at him and I go, man, here's a fighter that was born, I believe, in 1999, right? And he looks like he's even younger than that. Yeah. But we know he can fight, Nick. And I wonder, are you seeing, as a, as a dog here, plus $1.55 for, for Hooper in this fight, Will there be money that comes in on him, or is Calaris the, the right side so far in the betting market? So far, Calaris seems to be the right side. Again, Hooper will attract that money at, at plus money because all he needs is just one. Just give me down one yeah, time. One time, a lot of times. And he'll take your back, whatever. He's so good on the ground that he normally finishes his opponents. But Calaris' submission defense, again, in this spot should withstand, and he should be able to keep this fight standing and then on the feet, as we mentioned, he's going to have a big advantage. So I think that's why you're seeing the Sharps bite on the Calaris, lay that chalk right now. But the public will bite on Hooper, especially if this line floats over 200. I'm sure we'll see some buyback and action bet on the dog. There's the totals as well. When you look at the over minus $1.65, look, we know Hooper, sadly, we've seen him take punishment in there, right? Yeah. But as a, a young, durable kid... 22 years of age against a guy who's so old at 28. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, these, no doubt. These guys are going to be able to go. They've got gas tanks. Yeah, no, I mean, both these guys, like you said, the youth, youth, the youth is there and the durability is there. Hooper, man, he's almost too tough for his own good sometimes, right? He does take that punishment. So, But that being said, the popular bet right now is on the over because I think people think Hooper is probably going to withstand that punishment. Even if he gets tagged up, he, he's good, strong enough to survive. But I don't know, man. I think, again, something's probably going to get before he hits the scorecards. But this was intriguing for sure. You know, there was a, a lot of consternation in the sports world this week around Nick Saban at Alabama. One of his former pupils is going to be in that octagon on Saturday night. That's Eric Anders. I'm going to take on John Young Park. Now, Park is a decided favorite. We can understand why at minus 205. Anders is a tough cookie to figure out sometimes, right? We know he's got power. We know he can wrestle. But right now, are you seeing any buyback in the former Alabama linebacker? I mean, there's a little bit more action. I mean, if, if you're looking at it right now, we do have more money on the Anders side, but the line's kind of staying stable. And not a lot of bets are coming in either way, I think. The line's around 2-1, to one, and I think a lot of people think it's right. So there's nothing crazy coming in. I mean, maybe we'll see some movement on fight day with some sharp action coming in one way or the other, but right now there's nothing to report as far as significant action goes. And again, this feels like one of those fights that might hit the cards here for three rounds. Are you yeah. seeing the action come in on the over so far? Yeah, again, because Anders is tough, man. And he I, is and, tough. Uh, 
And I know Park has, has that finishing ability here, but I don't think he's going to be able to finish Anders in this spot, right? Because, again, if he does, maybe it's, it's taking him down to the ground, trying to work that submission game as well, so maybe some ground and pound. But I think these guys are durable enough here. So that's why you're seeing some bets come in on the over. Uh, we do have some heavies in action on Saturday night, too. Almeida's going to take on Porter here. Uh, very quickly on that fight, any any shot from Parker Porter? He's a big dog in this one. Uh, of course, the heavyweights, especially the UFC yeah. heavyweight division, man. I, I tell you what, Porter is a little bit underrated. Of course, he's going up against a finisher on the other side. They can finish by submission or a KO in his own right. So there's more trust on the Almeida side. And of course, he is the prospect that people are expecting to win his fight. That's why you're seeing the outrageous chalk. But where the numbers set around minus 600, man, it's very difficult to lay the chalk. So it's probably a dog or pass situation. And Porter's been one of these guys that's always been kind of underrated from the betters out there. Uh, Nick, always appreciate it. Great numbers that you put up. Up here each and every week at Circa and again on the line on UFC Fight Pass. Great work as always out of Nick Kalikas. When we come back, Lou Finnecaro is going to join the program. Come on back. It is First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more ways than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for MMA events. Eligibility restrictions do apply, so see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Dave Ross back here on First Strike, and each and every week we love catching up with Gam Lou, Lou Finicaro, and the well, the host of the Bout Business Podcast. Lou, great to have you back in the program. Before we get into the fight card, I always like to plug the Bout Business Podcast. Tell the people what they get each and every week. 
Well, thanks for bringing it up and having me on both, Dave. The Bout Business Podcast is simply 16 or 17 minutes of a synopsis of the final releases that I'll make for each UFC card. It drops in podcast form every Friday afternoon. It'll be ready wherever podcasts are uh, distributed this afternoon. And thank you for bringing that up for me. Absolutely. I I bring it up because it's a great podcast and very profitable for the listeners indeed. Let's try to give out some winners and some pathways to victory that we might see in this card on Saturday night. Let's start. Look, boy, what a week it's been for Nick Saban and Alabama football. He's got one of his pupils in there, Eric Anders, who's going to be fighting on Saturday night against Jung Young Park here. Park right now, the big favorite, over a $2 favorite. What do you make of Anders in this spot? He's, He's had an interesting career making the transition from being a decorated college football player to a mixed martial artist. Is this just a little bit too much for him at this juncture? You know what? I I almost think not, Dave. And here's how I'm going about it. Uh, The Kid Park has got the Iron Turtle. First of all, he's got one of the best nicknames ever. Uh, (laughs) But he fights in that capacity. He's a little bit deliberate. He's got a granite chin, tons of power. I think he basically wants to strike. Uh, In this fight, he'll be the younger man. However, when you look at Anders, uh, I I like the athleticism for Anders. I like the fact that he's got vastly more UFC experience. I think he's been in with certainly a higher level, uh, higher caliber opponent than has uh, young man Park from South Korea. And then finally, he's been training. This is his second stint or second fight at Fight Ready, which is a famous uh, gym here in Phoenix. He lost to Andre Muniz in his last fight. No shame in that. This guy's going to be a champion. And so on his sophomore episode, I think Anders at plus 180 is very live in this fight, Dave. Uh, from I think he's confident as well. The other young man from South Korea was showing respect to Anders Uh, But he only has one way to win, and I think Anders can possibly get him down here. I think it's a good spot for an underdog. You know, that's interesting, too, Lou, and you look at it, obviously he's already the underdog, but if you want to go deeper uh, into this from the prop scenario here, if Anders can utilize that wrestling right, could you see a decision victory for Anders at plus 330, which really gets juicy at that point? Well, I see, quite honestly, if you look at the total on the tight, is two and a half, is it two and a half shaded yes, over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a two and a half shaded uh, over minus 200. So I think Andrews, I think either guy uh, is durable enough that the other's not going to take him out. It's going to be who gets the decision here. If you want to stretch a plus 180 and get even more greedy, have at it. But I'm just going to try and get Anders in. I, I like him as an underdog. You know, it's, it's always interesting. And obviously, we just had Nick Kalikas on here from Circus Sportsbook. And I always kid Nick, if you guys start doing props for fight of the night, boy, I think we can identify some of those uh, possibilities. And certainly, whenever you have Santiago Ponzinibbio against uh, Mihail Pereira in this one. And look, Pereira, this just should be an exciting fight, the way these two guys battle it out. What do you see with Ponzinibbio right now as the small dog against Pereira? 
I see a great fight, and I see two very, very similar fighters just in a little bit different career evolution. Ponzanibio, three years ago, before COVID and before a few injuries, was the hot topic in this division, and he was sawing through everybody. But a few injuries and a year, two and a half years of COVID has really thrown him into a point now where he may not be as potent a fighter as he was three and a half, two and a half years ago. Meanwhile, this young man from Brazil, uh, Pereira, comes in and he has unusual size for the division. Usually Ponzanibio is the bigger man at 5'11", and at six foot one, uh, this Pereira, when, we, when they stood next to each other on the face-offs, the size difference is almost enough to take your breath away. Uh, Pereira is larger, thicker, younger by uh, a, a handful of years or better. Mm -hmm. uh, Pereira, excuse me for the glasses, is, is 28 to Ponzanibio 35. I just think in every way, this is a really, really good spot for Pereira, provided he uses a little IQ and doesn't jettison his supply in the first two rounds. Ponzanibio's approach surely is going to be to take the Brazilian into deep waters and try and take him late. And you don't have to apologize for the glasses, Lou. I'm picking up what you're putting down, too, these days. Uh, <laughs> certainly when you look at the heavyweights, Lou, we know that one punch can can change things in the blink of an eye. Uh, when you look at Almeida against Porter here, we can understand why Almeida, this is the, maybe the up-and-comer in this division, is the big favorite against Porter what do you make of this here in a 40-pound weight difference in the heavyweight division? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the 40-pound weight difference because uh, in this fight, really, it's it's the uh, Almeida that's a 205-pounder, but he wants to stay busy. UFC likes him, wants him around, like gets him a fight. But they get him a fight with Porter, and though he laid an egg against Daukas, this Porter, he is he, he is 265. He he's won he's won his last few fights, albeit against dubious competition. I think where I'm trying to go with this, Dave, is that when you look at the fight to start round two. With our friends at DraftKings who offer all these various props, fight to start round two, minus 110, that's where I would go because, in essence, I'm I'm betting on Parker Porter to be durable enough to take the young Almeida into the second round before something happens. I think it's an excellent handicap. And, again, you always do a great job of shortening those prices to get better ones on the board, and that exactly might be the way to go. Let's stay in the prelims here because, look, I'm fascinated by watching young young. Chase Hooper fight, and now he's old. Chase Hooper, he's twenty-two. Lou, I mean, he's just old now. Uh, going up against another old guy here uh, when he takes on uh, Felipe Calaris here, who's now all of twenty-eight years young here. So, what do you make a Hooper in the underdog spot here? Has he learned from some of his earlier failures in the UFC? <laughs> He's claimed that he's taken time off to do so. And so at 22, we're going to be able to witness that and make our own decision come tomorrow. I do believe that at that age, first of all, he's a, he's a good enough grappler that we know he's 
uh, UFC ready in that capacity of his fight game. He needs to get a little bit more footwork and get a little more comfortable with the strike game, more uh, especially strike evasion. And so we're going to see where that's come from. Meanwhile, his opponent, this is his first fight at 145. So Hooper is the legit 145 or the other kids moving from 35 to 45. And for that reason, as well as the reason that the over minus uh, two and a half minus 165 indicates, uh, uh, again, a competitive decision. I think in in assessing Kolaris's ability in a higher weight division, I think he could struggle. Meanwhile, Hooper could be a perfect recipe for Kolaris in that he's durable, strong as well. Kolaris might allow Hooper to get a full three rounds in. I think this fight goes to decision, and that's a minus 130, minus 135 proposition, uh, depending where you're shopping. And that's where I'm going with this fight, to go decision. Yeah, I love that. Uh, certainly an excellent handicap there. Lou, let's get to the main event here in the last uh, minute and a half that we have. Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieira. Now, look, we get it. We know the styles of fight here. Holly wants to keep this fight standing. Vieira wants to try to use, utilize her BJJ in the ground. Which style is going to win out? I think based on experience and who they've been in there with, I lean to Holly Holm just having too much for a girl in Caitlin the Barriera that this is her fifth UFC fight. Too much experience. And again, four and a half juice to the over. So we do believe that this one's going to go deep into the night here at UFC Apex. Do you see it the same way, Lou? Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Let's go to a home decision. So home decision, you can really shorten that up here to a minus $1.20, and that might be the way to go. If Vieira gets a win, Lou, what's the pathway for her? Can she get it via decision, or does it have to come via a sub? Yeah, I, I think this fight's going to decision, and if she gets the decision, it's because she laid on top of Holly for two and a half or three rounds, as opposed to Holly staying at distance and pitter-pattering on Ketlin for three rounds. There you go, four to one, if you think the challenger can get that done. Hey, Lou, enjoy the fights. Always appreciate your breakdown, as always. There he is, everybody. Lou Finnecaro, follow him at GAM. Lou, when we come back, Jordan Sherwood's going to join the program from Chicago. Come on back, it's First Strike on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Back here on First Strike, I am your host, Dave Ross. A pleasure to be joined once again out of Chicago, Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Woodon1063. Uh, Jordan, let's get right to some of your plays, and I really am intrigued by some of your action that you like in your handicaps this week because you've gone off the beaten path on a couple things here, certainly with some parlays that we're going to get to in a second. But let's start off with what I think could be the best fight on the board this weekend with Pajara against Ponzinibbio here. How do you play this fight in what could just be a wild three-round affair? Yeah, you, you play it because of what I saw uh, on the scale. Uh, Michelle Pajara didn't have any issues whatsoever. He looked solid. He looked, you know, uh, you know, all, all all ready to roll. And he was one of the first guys to weigh in. And look, he, he, the last couple of fights, he has fought as a as a reserved and patient fighter, not the wild man that burst onto the scene and danced his way to the octagon to a loss against Tristan Connolly. So I think he's got the total package. And, and, he, and quite frankly, he should be unbeaten in the UFC because the Connolly loss and the Diego Sanchez loss are, you know, marked with, you know, obviously those flies. Santiago Ponzinibbio is a great fighter, but this is not 2018 when he was 27 and three and had a seven fight win streak in the welterweight division. He's been plagued with injuries. He hasn't stayed healthy. I believe he's bounced around a couple of different camps. And, you know, when, when, when the going gets tough and he gets tagged a little bit, uh, it's, it's lights out for Santiago Ponzinibbio. We saw the leech knock him out. Uh, and then his last time out, you know, split decision loss to Jeff Neal. No, you know, nothing to write home about. Like Jeff Neal is a great fighter as well, but I just think Bahia is not going to get caught, you know, in, in an absolute firefight. He's going to be patient. He's going to utilize his size. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be able to utilize his wrestling at times too. So I love the play of Michelle Pahea. Uh, I'm not confident enough yet that I would go inside the distance if you're looking for something juicy there. But I just think Michelle Pahea, just his patience overall, the fact that he's matured in the octagon, he's going to have the size advantage. He's going to have the power advantage. And, you know, Ponzinibbio does have good footwork. That'll be his path to victory. But I just won't think it's enough for Pahea. So I like Pahea to get his hand raised tomorrow night. And you have the over now. It's juiced here rather heavily here at minus $1.85. If you like the over, and then do you think by decision is the way to go here to get plus money on Pajara at plus 165? Or do you think you can get a late round stoppage in that third? No, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, we've also seen that too, but Pajara has, has like kind of put it on early in those first couple of rounds and then even more gotten reserved, not got himself into a firefight. So yeah, that's why it's absolutely juiced to the over. Everybody that I've talked to, believes that it's going to the judges scorecards despite the finishing ability that both guys certainly have uh both guys going to be cerebral 
patient, look for their openings. And I think, again, that also pays dividends to Pehe and what he wants to do inside the octagon tomorrow night. Let's talk about Chidi and Kwani taking on uh, Duska Todorovic here. This is an intriguing matchup here. We're seeing right now Todorovic, about a $2 underdog in this one against Chidi. How do you think this fight goes? Because it feels like Chidi right now is the young fighter kind of on the upswing in his UFC career. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, you know, the UFC hopes that he, you know, kind of repeats or has a similar performance like he did in his UFC debut, a seven second knockout of Mark <laughs> Andre Berrio, a guy that really doesn't get finished. I mean, we just saw him a couple of weeks ago uh, get the finish, I think, against the, the Beverly Hills uh, Ninja. But bottom line for me is this is a perfect matchup for Chitty and Jakowani, a guy that's going to walk into the center of the octagon, look to stand and trade, a guy that's been finished before, uh, does have some finishing abilities as well. But I think Jakowani, again, just having the benefit of, of an older brother in Anthony Jakowani, who you know was in the rigors of the WEC, mm-hmm. you know, early on stages of the UFC. So like having that professional experience and, and your brother, no less, uh, I think, you know, prepares Chidi and Jakowani for his sophomore appearance inside the octagon. So I, I like him. I like him to get actually a pretty quick finish uh, because, you know, it, it's not going to be a grappling that he's going to have to worry about or someone that's going to look to take the fight to the ground. The Vorch is just going to stand in the middle of the octagon and say, like, all right, who's going to knock each other out? We saw Jakowani do that brilliantly in his UFC debut. I think he does it again. And actually a small play that I'm going to have it's him to win it and do it in round number one. Ooh. And that obviously will, you know, uh, cater to, uh, you know, carry some favorable odds if, if you want to lay that down. Let's talk about Jonathan Martinez, almost a, over a $2 favorite against Vince, Vince Morales here. Does the dog bite in this one? Or do you think it's priced accordingly? I, I, I look, I, I understand why you would want and believe Vince Morales to, to do that because, look, he looked good on the scale. You know, he's maturing as a fighter and Jonathan Martinez has been tagged before. He was winning that fight against Davy Grant pretty handily. And then Grant lands a bomb and then lights go out for Jonathan Martinez. So he had those times that he's just not defending himself. But I think we saw Chris Gutierrez do it to Morales earlier on in, in, in his UFC career. Martinez has the light kicks as well. He's going to utilize distance. I believe he's learned his lesson. And we've seen that since the Grant knockout. He's maturing as a fighter, doesn't have to go for the kill. Going to be patient. Jonathan Martinez probably rolls three-round unanimous decision. So I'll likely also not only just put a, put that 235 down on Martinez to win straight up, Dave, but I'll also put him to win via the judges' scorecards to get a little bit uh, you know, more value on, on him winning the fight. Absolutely. It's a great way to do it. If you think it's going to go to the cards as you do, that way you can really shorten that price tag and not lay that $2 favorite, uh, over $2 favorite right now, as we see with Martinez. Let's get to the main event, because I think it's going to correlate with some parlays that you have later on uh, on your play sheet here. And Jordan, when you look at Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter back in there, look, she's already a boxing Hall of Famer. She's going to be an MMA Hall of Famer as well. We know what she wants to do, and conversely, we know what Ketlin Vieira wants to do, try to get this fight down to the ground and utilize her Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Which style wins out? Can Holly keep this standing, or do you think it could get precarious if it gets down to the ground? Well, look, I I mean, obviously, you you know, most people are going to believe that it's going to be Holly Holm. I mean, Holly Holm is a first ballot Hall of Famer. She had the head kick heard around the world. She's an outstanding kickboxer, great footwork. And look, you know, she looked great against Irene Aldana you know, her last time out. And I think that surprised a lot of people. A lot of people uh, were fading Holly Helm because Aldana was a, bi- a big up and comer. And now Aldana just knocked, knocked out Kitlin Vieira a couple of fights back. Um, but here's the thing, Dave, I- I'm going to go out and live and say the, the, the tires are coming off of this one. Ooh. That I think at 40 years of age, Kitlin Vieira, 
I was worried about her weight cut because if you remember two fights ago, she didn't show up to the weigh-ins uh, healthy against Yana Kunitskaya and yeah. lost. But she did look good against Misha Tate. And looking again against Misha Tate, again, even though it's Misha Tate coming off of two kids, long retirement, she still beat Misha Tate, who is also a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm taking the dog here. I, I, I think Caitlin Vera, this is an opportunity. Even though Holly Holm is difficult to take the fight to the ground, I don't think that the, the, the distancing and the point fighting for Holly Holm is going to be enough. She sometimes looks to work the clinch. That's not going to be an advantage against a, a, a fighter the size, the skill set, the strength of Ketlin Vieira. So I'm going out on a limb and say I'm saying Ketlin Vieira gets the win, but I'll, I'll also look at the over because I, I think Holly Holm is just an extremely difficult fighter to finish. I mean, Amanda Nunez is really the only one to do it. Uh, and Ketlin Vieira is no Amanda Nunez, but I, I'm going to take the dog in this one. You know, it's very interesting because I was at a couple of Holly Holmes fights that, that she didn't want to forget. You mentioned the Misha Tate one right here in Vegas at UFC 196. And the other was Valentina Shevchenko in Chicago. And remember now, Holly's fighting back at 135 pounds. And you look at the weight cut now because she's fought up at 145. Now she's back down to 135. Vera feels, feels very comfortable here, even though she's had some bad weight cuts there before. Again, do you think that by decision... If you like that style, because you mentioned the over four and a half rounds, you can get that four to one is what I'm seeing here uh, at DraftKings. Do you like that that play at plus four dollars here that Vieira can get this thing done and get her arm raised? Because it's tough sometimes to get the arm raised against the more popular and polished fighter in Holly Holm. Yeah, I mean, look, it was a fifth round submission loss that she had to Misha Tate when she lost the championship. So, and, and just how she fights. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely, may, maybe maybe a, a late stoppage, but I think, as you were just alluding to, the decision win for Ketlin Vieira, it's going to do enough, get some points, maybe get some takedowns. And you also mentioned that, too. She did not look great on the scale, even though Holly Holm was one of the first people to weigh in. Mm-hmm. She looked a little bit drained out. And that, that again, 40 years age, you know, you, you look, I'm over 40. It's tough for me to wake up in the morning. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, uh, look, it's, it, Holly Holm, at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall off. I don't think she looked great against Raquel Pennington two fights ago, even though she won 30-27, I think, on two to three judges' scorecards. Uh, I, I think this is the moment. This is the moment where reality sets in and Ketlin Vera gets her hand raised uh, tomorrow night. Jordan, I'll let you know what it's like when I get to 40. I, I, I can't Hell wait. Yeah. It's, it's going to be got, amazing. You've got time, Dave, man. Time is on <laughs> your side. Hey, very quickly, we got about a minute to go here. Look, you got Eric Anders, the former Nick Saban disciple. You've got the youngster and Chase Hooper is now a, you know, a sage veteran at 22. Is there another fight on this card that really jumps out to you? I, 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 like, I, I think that you know Chase Hooper just, just came into the UFC a little bit too early. You know, he's only 22. He still hasn't really matured uh, as a man, like yeah. into his body. And I just think Corrales c- can match him on the ground. The physicality is going to be an issue once again for Chase Hooper. So I, I think, yeah, small play in Corrales. You know, could Chase Hooper, you know, get an ankle lock and do something crazy with the submission? Sure. But uh, not confident enough to, to play that. So I, I like Corrales in that fight. There he is, everybody. Jordan Sherwood. You got to be able you got to check out the unnamed MMA podcast. Still a pod without a name. It's a great podcast nonetheless. Jordan, enjoy the fights. We'll catch up with you again next week. There he is, everybody. Jordan Sherwood. When we come back, Reed Kuhn right here on First Strike on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Want more betting insights to give you an edge? Well, check out VEASAN's Best Bets podcast. You can listen to daily sports betting highlights from the entire 24-7 stream of VEASAN experts tracking line moves and odds and props, wins, losses, and bad beats from sportsbooks in Vegas and across the country. Download the VEASAN Best Bets podcast now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Back here on First Strike, and a pleasure each and every week to have Reed Kuhn join us Follow him on Twitter as I do, at Fightnomics. He is the author of a book of the same name, Fightnomics. Reed, great to have you back in the program this week. You know, it's one of those sneaky cards that we seem to talk about where you really can find some value, and I'm sure you've been able to run some numbers here when you have a veteran like Holly Holm in the main event against Ketlin Vieira, and now you're starting to get a lot of data on her. Ten-year age difference here, 40 for Holm, 30 for Vieira. What are the numbers showing you, and do we have a live dog scenario here in the main event? Yeah, you already called out a very interesting point, which is 10-year age gap. You don't normally see me taking the side of the older fighter, but here I was worried. I was thinking, well, Holly Holm, this might be a standing fight, five rounds. She's been there before. Uh, Her pedigree, just the quality of opponents. Um, But I do see some upset potential. I am going to be backing Vieira here. I think she is more well-rounded, so she does have the ground game as a backup plan. But her stand-up is not bad. You know, she's, she actually comes out more accurate in terms of her head striking than Holly Holm. Now, I think that's because Holly Holm tends to fight really long range, and she also throws a lot of kicks. But she is kind of a point striker. That's the career that she's had in the UFC. Holly Holm only has two knockdowns in her entire career. That's 205 minutes of octagon time, only two knockdowns. That was against Ronda Rousey and mm-hmm. Beige. Uh, Cohera. So those, yeah, those were head kicks also, you know, and so she hasn't really had a lot of power behind those hands. Those are mostly for point striking. So if Vieira gets into a point striking duel, yeah, it's probably going to be a, you know, you got to favor home in the long run, but I hope she mixes it up. If she is threatening level changes that could change this. And if home is using those kicks too aggressively, that's opening up takedown attempts. 
uh, from Vieira. So uh, I do see upset potential here. I like the fact that I'm getting plus 200 on it. I don't know if it's going to be a submission or decision. It's probably not going to be a knockout. Uh, but those are, that's the angle I'm taking. It's just Vieira straight up. You know, I, Reed, I love the fact that you brought up that night in Melbourne that which changed MMA history, certainly in the UFC, when Ronda Rousey, because, look, Holly Holm was brought in to be the Ronda Rousey stopper. It's exactly what she did. But you mentioned the Betch Cohea head kick, and certainly the head kick heard around the world when she knocked out Ronda Rousey with it. So if she's in the Boxing Hall of Fame, but really the hands are just there to score points, if Holly Holm wins, do you see it via decision, which would be minus $1.20? And you mentioned for Vieira here, the plus money for a sub is 8 to 1. That feels like really good value there, potentially, for the pathway for the underdog. And the favorite, it feels like it's decision or bust. Yeah, I think I might you know, sprinkle a little on that prop, Vieira, by submission. I think if she does get ground control, she's averaging two minutes of control time per takedown. So if she does get it to the ground, she's very good at holding people there. And the longer you stay in that position, the more time you have to work, maybe find your way to the back. And that's, you know, Holly Holm did get submitted with an RNC from Misha Tate. So that is, an, that is a possibility here. If I was going to play a little prop lottery ticket, that's probably what I would go for. Yeah, I was there that night at UFC 196 too because Holly Holm was winning that fight so easily until that fifth and final round where Misha Tate was able to sink in that choke. And I'm sure that's something uh, that Caitlin Vieira would be looking to try to do on Saturday night. Okay, let's talk about from 40 to 22 and Chase Hooper back in the octagon here. And Reed, I'm fascinated to watch this kid work. Look, he's got a great ground game. We understand that. But in this matchup, he has a distinctive reach advantage, about five inches in reach advantage over his opponent here uh, in this one in Felipe Colares, but he doesn't want to strike. So does that, when you look at the models for a kid here still at 22, do you have to almost throw that away and say that the only way Hooper wins is if this fight goes down to the ground? Well, and Kolaris is also a willing grappler. I mean, he actually has a higher takedown rate of attempts than Hooper does. So that means he is even more eager to go to the ground than Hooper has been traditionally. So he might change that plan in this situation, saying, wait a minute, maybe I don't want to take this fight to the ground with Hooper um, and rely on his hands. But his hands have been okay. Kolaris actually has a horrible head strike defense. I think it's by far the worst on the entire card. So should he go toe-to-toe with someone with a five-inch reach advantage? Probably not a good idea. So the stand-up is not a lock either. Um, So now we see Hooper, well, maybe just his size and range and the fact that Kolaris tends to fight a little sloppy could be a problem on the feet. And then Hooper, just very comfortable on the ground. He's willing to take takedowns. His takedown defense is actually 0%. He's only Mm. faced two takedown attempts, but he basically let both of them take him down because he is so willing to fight out of his guard. Uh, And he is attempting a lot of submission attempts. So he has at least one submission attempt per trip to to ground, whether someone else took him there or if he took the fight there. So he has submissions for days. Uh, So I I do see some upset potential here. It's not as strong a lean maybe as Vieira, but I I would be backing Hooper for the upset. You know, it's so funny because if you go back to the first time Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman fought with these two great grapplers, right? We just assumed the fight would go down to the ground, and they just stood and traded uh, into that fifth round. There's no way we look at the over here juiced at minus a dollar sixty-five. There's no way these two guys, as you mentioned, willing participants to go down to the ground. They're not going to stand and trade, right? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but what but you mentioned the total. Um, I think I. Again, this is a, an entirely separate model, not looking at who's going to win 
we look at totally different factors for trying to predict whether it's going to go inside the distance or to the cards. This is one where we have a strong opinion that this is going to go to the cards. Mm. So I would take the over. Um, now, if you combine those two, maybe I'm sprinkling a little on Hooper by decision. But yeah, it could. you're right. It could be a stalemate. Styles make fights, right? And yep. you got two strong grapplers, and maybe they stand in trade. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, I, I see upset potential. And I do want to lean the over. Yeah, boy, by the way, a decision, if you think Hooper can get it, plus 350, so even better than just the plus 155 to win the fight. But boy, that would be a shock if these two guys come out and Hooper all all of a sudden becomes the puncher striker. I I don't expect that to happen, but you're never quite sure. Let's talk about Jonathan Martinez in his fight against Vince Morales here. Martinez right now over a $2 betting favorite. What are the models showing in this one, Reed? Yeah, this one, you know, we just looked at two fighters who love to go to the ground. This is the absolute opposite. We have very minimal takedown attempts from both guys. So both guys prefer to stand and trade. And if that's what we're looking at, then I can just zero in on what do the striking metrics look like. Uh, And I've called out defense before. Vince Morales has bad defense, not as bad as Kolaris, but it's not great. And he's facing a pretty good striker. And Martinez definitely hits harder. So the power definitely leans Martinez. Their accuracy is similar, but then you've got porous defense for Morales. So if they are going exchange per exchange, Martinez is going to be landing more often, and he's also going to be landing much, much harder. So in this case, you know maybe there's some knockout potential for Martinez. Uh, Morales has been dropped twice. Um, but regardless, I do like Martinez to win a mostly standing fight. Uh, it should be an exciting one, but I think potentially the fight of the night here is Santiago Ponzinibbio against Michelle Pajara. It just feels like this is going to be a three-round banger. What do the numbers show on two veterans and certainly one guy now maybe getting a little bit longer in the tooth in Ponzinibbio? Yeah, Ponzinibbio are already on the wrong side of 35, but he has nine career knockdowns. Um, now, he has a lot more minutes of fight time here than Perea. Uh, And you look at their accuracy, both guys like very accurate and seemingly dangerous strikers, not too damaged. Ponzinibbio has been around long enough to have taken a few knockdowns, but, you know, only three, not too bad at this age. And also Perea may be the more willing grappler in terms of takedown attempts, and he has stronger stats, but he doesn't spend a whole lot of time there historically. Uh, So it would be interesting if he went to the ground with Ponzinibbio. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think the younger guy, Perea, uh, is just going to be a little bit more dangerous and quick with his striking. I would lean that direction. This is not a strong lean, though, because both guys are very dangerous. So this is not a fight that I'm going to be hanging my hat on. But the lean here is Perea. Again, he's been taking some of the money this week, but you can understand why it's a dangerous move there uh, if you want to back the favorite there, because it does feel like, on paper at least, should be relatively close. Very quickly, I want to get your thoughts on Pollyanna uh, Vienna against Tabitha Ricci. This is an intriguing matchup to me. Again, pretty evenly priced here. What are you seeing the models showing in this one? Uh, so we actually don't have models on Ricci just yet. Only uh, two UFC appearances right. to date. Um, so this is not something that we're looking at. I will say that we do have uh, potentially a play on uh, Jun Yong Park against Eric Anders. That is one I was surprised by. I think just his uh, efficiency stats are looking better as a justifiable favorite in that one. Um, but yeah, I think I think Martinez and Vieira are really going to decide my night. Uh, it should be a, a very interesting matchup. Very quickly, got about 20 seconds. Almeida against Porter. We know Porter is a big, big underdog in this one, but it is the heavyweight division. Any shot at the upsets via the models, or do you think it looks like one-way action? I think the inside the distance is the play on that one. 
Uh, very good and very quick. Appreciate that. Reed Kuhn, as always, great information. I want to thank Reed, Jordan Sherwood, Blue for the Carol, Nicolikas. Thanks for watching First Strike. Enjoy the fights, everybody. We'll see you right back here next week on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.